Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations for me and my guests who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Guys, I'm really excited to have Jared Brown with us today. I heard him on a podcast and he blew me away with all of his knowledge. And then looking him up, I was even more impressed with all of his knowledge and all of his degrees and trainings and all the things, which I'm going to let him tell you about all of his expertise and his brilliance. Um, but today he's going to talk to us about gut brain health and how our kids' guts help heal their brains. And I told him just a second ago that I feel like I hear these things often. And yet my brain just somehow has a hard time connecting them because my, I'm just not a medical minded person. And so I'm excited about him explaining it to us in a way that's going to be super informative and um, super, super actionary for us. So Jared, can you tell us all of your brilliance? Laura, thank you for reaching out and having me on your podcast program. So honored to be here. I am a professor, trainer, researcher, and consultant. I would say my main areas of expertise are fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, autism, traumatic brain injuries, and then lots of topics related to like forensic psychology and forensic mental health. So basically the intersection between mental health issues, behavioral health issues, and the criminal justice and legal arenas. But one area I've been doing a lot of work on for the past several years is the gut-brain health connection. I am fascinated by it. It has implications for all fields of study. If you're a human listening to this, it's going to apply to you. So this is a really important topic. And if you're a parent raising a child with special needs or some sort of neurodevelopmental disorder, very, very important topic to be aware of. Just to give folks a little background on this area of study that I do, I actually have two separate certifications related to like digestive health issues. Do some pod podcasts on the topic. I've worked with many, many adult clients who have mental health issues. And nearly all of these clients report something going on with their digestive health. So if you're ever working with someone that has like serious mental health issues, the research is pretty clear that they have something going on in their gut as well. So why do, why do we want to study this? Because this is one of the major reasons why people go to their doctor for sleep issues is at the top of the list as well. Pain related problems and fatigue. If you believe what the research says, those are kind of the big four as to what the primary reasons are why people like reach out to their primary care doctors. Again, there's a million more, but the research says it's fatigue, pain related problems, digestive health issues and sleep issues. And a lot of times these all go together. Because if someone is chronically sleep deprived, that can impact their gut. If their gut is off, that can impact their sleep. People that deal with a lot of untreated pain-related problems, this could be emotional pain from depression, anxiety, grief, and loss issues, or it could be physical pain from a bad car accident, head injuries, these kind of things. All of this stuff is interconnected and it's been shown to have an impact on the gut as well. Big, big topic to be aware of. So when you study this, think of the human gut. 
There's a lot going on just in general. So the gut actually starts in the mouth. The mouth is the gateway to the gut. The saliva plays a role, the stomach, the intestines is small and large, and you're going to hear me talk about the microbiome today. So technically, the research has really moved in the direction of not the gut brain health access, but the microbiota gut brain health access. So hang on to that. We'll talk about that in just a minute. People are surprised to learn this as well that our gut actually has its own nervous system. So people are aware like of the central nervous system. So if you have a child who has fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, they're always going to have something going on in their nervous system that isn't working properly because of the very nature of being exposed to alcohol in utero. Drugs can throw it off, tobacco, high stress, all kinds of things can throw off our central nervous system. There's a bi-directional communication that happens with our brain and our gut. So if our brain is off, it communicates with our gut and vice versa. The nervous system in the gut is called the enteriotic nervous system. It's spelled E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, E as in Edward, R as in Robert, I as in Ida, and C as in Charlie. You can find all kinds of resources online related to that. The gut is also the, the hub of immunity. This is another big reason why we want to study this, because the majority of our serotonin is actually produced in our gut. And if you study like neurohormones and all kinds of things like that, that is related to mood. It's related to depression. People are shocked to learn that, but the overwhelming majority of serotonin, some studies say anywhere between 80 to 90% of serotonin is in our gut. So when people have a lot of digestive health issues, why do they feel more anxious? Why do they feel more run down? Why do they feel more depressed? Why do they feel more tired? That's part of the reason, not the only reason, but it's a big part. Laura, I'll stop just for a second, see if you have any thoughts, questions on any of this. I can I'll keep going deep in the weeds. Well, I'm fascinated. I didn't know I didn't know that we had a separate nervous system for our gut, and I didn't know that serotonin levels were affected or produced mm -hmm. in the gut. Like I just I'm shocked. Yeah. Yeah, people are. So I guess my my fear is that you're about to tell me that I need to change everything in our house that we're eating. Everything I'm saying today is education only. So don't <laughs> make any changes until talking to your doctor or a nutritionist. But I can point out what the research says. So Let's I do a lot of work in the area of sugar. I'll just give, I'll plant the seed now. If you use a lot of sugar products and sugar sweetened beverages and fast food and ultra processed food and things that you buy at a gas station and a drive through restaurant, all of that's been linked to bad digestive health issues. We'll talk about that today. So the gut brain health access, it's a bi-directional biochemical signaling between our gastrointestinal tract in our brain. So it's kind of a, a highway that you go back and forth on. So one's off, it impacts the other. That bi-directional biochemical signaling involves our central nervous system. So very important to understand the central nervous system. Very important to understand the autonomic nervous system. If you're working with kids or raise kids with any kind of special needs, 
you would do very well learning about the central nervous system and the autonomic nervous system. And if you guys find this helpful, we can absolutely do a segment in the future on the central nervous system dysfunction, autonomic, what do we do about it, what it looks like. The enteretic nervous system is part of the gut again. That's our nervous system in the gut. The HPA axis, I do a lot of work in that area. It's called the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. People with FASD have that axis disrupted without a doubt because of the alcohol exposure. That axis is our body's main stress response system. It's a hormone regulator. The end product of the HPA axis is cortisol. Cortisol is not a bad thing, but if cortisol is too high or too low, that can be a bad thing. The HPA axis is also part of our endocrine system, and our endocrine system is related to hormones. And if your hormones are off, it can impact everything you can possibly imagine, energy, mood, your thirst, your hunger, your sleep. It impacts reproduction. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And then the gut-brain health axis involves immune system functioning, neural things besides what I'm talking about, hormonal signaling, all kinds of things can throw us off. So when it's off, it can trigger more inflammation in our body. Why do you want to care about inflammation? Because depression is really an inflammatory disorder. Most diseases and illnesses have an inflammatory component to them. When the gut-brain health axis is off, it can impact our cognitive performance. So you hear me talking about cognitive, think of the brain. Pretty important, I hear the brain is important to solve problems, decision-making, all that stuff. And then it impacts our mood. So anyone has mood problems, mood disorders, the list goes on. I'll plant a seed here too. There's not a lot of research on the gut-brain health access in conjunction with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. There is a little bit now. I've been talking about this for a while and I see it all the time that that population, at least the cases I consult on, all, the gut's always off for some reason. But what I can tell you is that there are countless articles on this topic within the context of autism. Almost everyone with autism has gut health issues, the research shows. More and more studies are talking about it within the context of ADHD, schizophrenia, the list goes on and on. So you heard me just a few minutes ago say the microbiota. So it's really the microbiota, gut, brain health access. The microbiota, you're going to hear me talk a little bit about like dysbiosis today. If I use that term dysbiosis, that just means the gut is off. It's not working properly. The microbiota and the microbiome, really, you need to, if that is off, that is the signaling. It can throw off things in the gut, the hormones, the communication. It's the component of that crosstalk between the gut and the brain. So if the microbiota is off, that crosstalk is off. So it's not communicating properly. It throws off our physiological state. It's impacted by our environment. There's studies that show that high stress environments can throw this off. People that live in crowded houses, there's a lot of chaos that's been linked to more gut dysbiosis, gut problems. 
So think of the microbiota as kind of the regulator of the gut. So getting the microbiota more regulated is gonna be helpful. I'll talk about all of those things today. The microbiota supports digestion. It supports food absorption. That's then used for energy production. It helps synthesize vitamins and all kinds of things. So it plays a huge role in really all kinds of things you can imagine. It plays a role in brain development. It plays a role in our behavior. It has a profound impact on our physiological state. That relates to like our breathing. Do you ever get nervous after drinking a bunch of coffee and caffeine? That's our physiological state being thrown off. Chronic insomnia is really a physiological-based disorder. Well, if you, you're ever working with a child who's had a lot of trauma and they get that fight-or-flight response, that's a physiological dysregulation. So just some things to be aware of. So why do you want to study this? Because it plays a vital role in human health and human disease. So when it's working properly, it supports health. When it's not, it plays a role in illness, disorders, diseases. The list goes on and on and on. The research, I mean, there are thousands of studies that have been published on the gut now. I mean, I can't keep up. There's just so much coming out. When there's alterations in the gut, this could be in early life or in adulthood, it's been linked to having more immune system problems, more metabolic issues. So metabolic problems can relate to like cholesterol, cardiovascular problems, obesity issues, blood sugar dysregulation, diabetes, all those things. It relates to asthma, allergies, anxiety, depression, the list goes on. So I'll stop there for a second, Laura, see if you have any thoughts. I mean, it's everything. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I kind of just want you to keep talking and <laughs> tell us what we do about this. I feel like, yeah, I mean, maybe this is what's wrong with all of us in our home, you know? Well, it's, it's a big factor, I think, in our society of why is there so much illness? I mean, well, the gut's off and people don't eat well, the Western diet, all that stuff. So <laughs> if you study like irritable bowel syndrome, Plenty of studies show that folks with irritable bowel syndrome have gut dysbiosis, microbiome issues. Lots of studies show that type 2 diabetes, people's guts are off a lot. If you look at some of the Alzheimer's literature, there's more and more studies coming out about Alzheimer's and gut dysbiosis, people with chronic constipation or diarrhea issues, People with skin problems, it's been linked to more gut problems. So yeah, it's it's linked to everything. In terms of disorders, several studies show a link between anxiety disorders, depression, schizophrenia, bipolar, certain kinds of eating disorders, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, all autism, list goes on and on and on. Lots of factors can either influence in a positive way or a negative way. So just look at your lifestyle in general. Are you one to just go, 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 go all day long, not take any breaks, skip meals, you eat lunch and it takes you 30 seconds to complete your lunch, you never exercise, you're burnt out, you get home, you're on your screen till two in the morning, catching up with work, catching up with emails. You're chronically exhausted. 
without a doubt, that is going to impact the microbiome in the gut. Diet plays a huge role. Nutrition, good nutrition, like the Mediterranean diet's been shown to support it. People that consistently eat the Western diet, which is basically going to fast food joints, gas station food, processed foods, energy drinks, sugar, sweetened beverages, those kind of things. Certain kind of medications can impact it, particularly lots of antibiotics can throw off the gut. Your housing conditions, if you live in a calm, stable environment, that's good for the gut. If you live in a home and there's chaos everywhere, you're constantly being woke up at night because the doors are slamming. You live next to a busy freeway and you're hearing noise all night, noise pollution and noise interference and noise annoyance is a real thing that's been shown to impact this. And your social network, are you a loner and isolated and depressed all the time? That's actually been linked to more gut problems or are you someone that has very close friends you're able to share things with other people and vent to them and you feel safe around family, that's been linked to having better digestive health functioning. A lot of this is linked to early life and prenatal too. So what was going on with mom during pregnancy can have a profound impact on this. Mom's using drugs, alcohol, tons of sugar, excessive caffeine, she's in a domestic violence situation during pregnancy, if she's obese during pregnancy, if she has... Whatever health issues she's dealing with, whatever trauma she's dealing with, that can have a profound impact on the gut as well for that developing child in utero. The child's born, are they now in an environment where there's a lot of chaos, abuse, neglect? Are they thrusted into the child welfare arena because of termination of parental rights? Any kind of stress, trauma, adversity has been linked to more gut problems. So understanding the adverse childhood experiences research and complex and developmental trauma is highly recommended as well. If we look at the maternal factors, it, a lot of studies have looked at what's going on with mom. Lots of studies show that smoking during pregnancy we know is not good. That has been linked to having more infant gut problems. Some studies show that people who live in an urban environment versus a rural environment may have more gut problems. Why might that be the case? More crowded living conditions in some cases. They might be exposed to more pollution. They might be exposed to more noise. Lower socioeconomic status has been linked with having more gut problems. So someone is dealing with poverty, homelessness, shift work, long working hours has been linked to this as well. Malnutrition, the list goes on. People that deal with a lot of health inequities typically have more problems in the gut. So talking about racism, marginalization, oppression, not having access to good health care, transportation issues, those kind of things have also been linked to this. So health inequities are a real thing. What kind of birth was it? They've looked at that too. Was it a vaginal birth or cesarean birth? Cesarean birth may be linked to more gut microbiota issues in some cases. Really understanding one's sleeping habits have a lot to do with this. So if someone has circadian rhythm misalignment where they work a shift job, they're up all night, they sleep during the day, their circadian rhythms are off, that's their sleep-wake cycle, that's been linked to more issues in this area. High levels of inflammation, 
stress, trauma, adversity, and all these things that can contribute to poor, like eating habits, not exercising, have been linked to this, which then can cause more oxidative stress in the body. And it's also been linked to more telomere length issues. If you study trauma, look at telomere lengths. I'm just planting seeds. There's a lot of topics we're covering today, but if you truly want to understand maybe in some cases why your child or teenager or adult may have more mental health challenges, more behavioral issues, these are things that are really getting in the weeds at the neurobiochemical level. And research, everything I'm saying is supporting the research. None of this is based on opinion. So Laura, I'll stop just for a moment and kind of catch our breath and let everyone get caught up and see thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's take a quick break. Mama, I know that you are doing a great job, but maybe there's something you've been neglecting, like yourself or your marriage, the rest of your family or the systems in your home, or maybe you're just ready for a change, but you don't know where to start. That's where we come in. Mama Systems can help you put systems in place so that your family is more organized, more peaceful, and more balanced. And so that you feel like you can get everything done that you need to get done during the day. We'll help make sure that you have a plan to advocate for your child in school and in the community, that you take care of yourself, your marriage, and the rest of your family, and that you have systems in place to help build teamwork mentality in your home and make daily life more manageable. All of this is doable and you deserve it, Mama. Check out mamasystems.net today. All right, back to our show. What I hear you saying is pretty much anything in the environment can affect this. And then pretty much your gut can affect everything else. So my question for you is like adoptive and foster mamas, we step into the picture and hopefully the child is now no longer in a crowded situation where it's loud and chaotic and all, all of those bad things that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. we bring them into safe environment. I, I make up that that's not necessarily like that, like for my kids, their fetal alcohol brain damage that's happened doesn't just disappear because they're now in a safe place and I'm working on healing their gut. Right. Yeah. So does it just calm those things down? Like those behaviors, those side effects, or does it just calm those things down? Is that kind of how this works? In in theory, yes. And there's not a lot of research on this with, again, within the context of FASD. But if you look at the autism literature. Yes, let's talk about if, that. If you calm the gut down, you get the gut un, more under control, it brings the, the mood dysregulation down. Definitely. How do we do that? Look at lifestyle factors. Just being in nature. Look at some of the green space, blue space literature. If someone is out in nature, maybe gardening, being around animals, those can be helpful. If someone is glued to their screen all the time, that is very bad. Helping people reduce screen time exposure can be very helpful. If someone's dealing with a ton of stress, teaching them pro-social coping skills, so helping them become more resilient is very helpful. All these things are common sense. I mean, if someone eats terribly, maybe work with a nutritionist who can help with like a a gut-friendly diet. Maybe in some cases, 
the person is dealing with some food sensitivity or food allergies or wheat or gluten or dairy, and maybe they're eating all the right things, but they have an allergic reaction to it. That's very low grade inflammation triggering in the body and no one ever knows. Maybe work with your nutritionist or doctor and rule these things out. These are, can be very helpful. Forming a very healthy and positive support network can be very helpful for the gut. And we know it's very helpful for our brain health as well. Getting outside of ourselves and volunteering, just things like that. We're giving back. We feel better. Volunteering has been linked to lowering inflammation in our body. I talked, go ahead, Laura. Does that have something to do with the serotonin levels in your gut? So when I'm volunteering, I feel better because I'm helping someone or am I missing that completely? Or is that, I think that, I think that's right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're just in a different mindset, like meditation and mindfulness can be helpful too. If someone is home all the time and they're addicted to social media and they're constantly reading negative things, those thoughts are shooting chemicals into our body. And now we're under lots of stress disconnect from that, get outside of ourselves. Maybe it's volunteering. Maybe it's going for a walk with a dog. Maybe it's mindfulness meditation, whatever it is. Anything we can do to reduce inflammation can be a good thing. Anything we can do to promote resilience and resilience is like a force field around someone in a way that helps them bounce back from tough stuff. So we're all going to be dealing with stress, trauma, adversity, letdown, Do we crack and crumble and just throw in the towel and give up? Or are we able to really self-reflect, learn from that, maybe take a break, come back to it the next day and start over again? Setting limits can be helpful. If somebody always says yes to everything and they are burning the candle at both ends 24-7, they're going to burn out. So set limits take breaks, create balance, having more self-compassion for yourself, cutting yourself some slack is linked to wonderful health outcomes. If you're a parent and you carry a lot of guilt around, look at some of the self-compassion literature that might help. If you deal with a ton of conflict in your life, working on developing healthy conflict resolution skills can be very helpful. Sleep is going to be one of the best things we can do. If someone's dealing with sleep issues, try to get that under control. We know most people with FASD have sleep issues. And if the kid's not sleeping, parents aren't usually sleeping too good. Work on getting sleep under control. Having a mindset of gratitude and optimism and hopeful thinking is can be very helpful for this as well. Journaling may be helpful. So gratitude journaling yoga, deep breathing, just finding a therapist can be very, very helpful. Taking up a hobby, doing something other than work, work, work constantly, do something fun, laugh. These are all things, it's common sense, but these are all things that help our body, our brain and our gut work better. I'm not telling you nutritional advice, but the research says cut down on caffeine, reduce sugar, try not to have sugar sweetened beverages, all of these things. So couple things to think about. Stay hydrated is recommended. Not hydrated with like sugar and all those kind of drinks, but stay hydrated with water. 
I can't count how many cases I've consulted on where some clients, I don't think they've had water in 10 or 20 years. They're just pounding down the juice or the pop or the coffee. Support your dental health. People don't think about that. There's a connection between our dental health, our heart health, our brain health, and our gut health as well. Learn how to regulate your sugar, blood sugar levels too. One of the best things that the research says to improve mental health is to regulate blood sugar levels. I think a lot of people think that blood sugar dysregulation is only related to diabetes. But if you skip meals and you don't eat breakfast ever, that's been linked to this. If you overeat, if you have five plates of food at the buffet, you're, you're spiking your, your insulin levels, you're throwing off your glucose. I can't count too how many cases I've consulted on where the person with FASD seems to have a very unusual relationship with food. So I see it all the time as well. Work with an exercise specialist. It's not something that you have to go out and do a marathon, but look at the research and just going for a 10-minute walk a day, what that does for someone. Those are just a few tips. I mean, we can go over a million more if you want, but that's that's some just basic one-on-one stuff that people might want to just look into. Are there ways to know about your gut health? Like, So I hear you saying all of those things. I'm like, I'm nailing the majority of them. And then I really like cookies. There are tests for this. You can work with like a functional nutritionist. Some, some folks that are like specializing in nutrition might do this. Some doctors might specialize in it. But if someone is obese, if someone has a drug or alcohol problem, if somebody has a neurodevelopmental disorder, like 91% of people with autism have gut issues, the research shows. That's on the high end, you'll find ranges, but the majority. So if someone deals with high levels of depression, that throws off the gut. If you are chronically sleep deprived over and over and over again, your gut's off. If your gut hurts, that your gut's telling you something. If you every single day seem to go to the fast food joint, that's your gut's probably off on some level. So most people's guts are off. On, at some point. But the nice thing is you make these changes, the gut starts making changes very quickly and you can see improvements very, very quickly as well. For some, it takes longer because they might have a lot of health issues, but do it in conjunction with your healthcare provider, but just live a common sense, well-balanced lifestyle. Don't have five plates of food at the buffet. Don't pound down two liters of soda every day. If you smoke cigarettes, try to quit. I, I do a lot of work in the area of smoking prevention. I mean, these are all things that impact the gut, but it also impacts the brain. It impacts everything in the body. I mean, I just feel like I just received so much information. I feel like I just sat through a lovely oh, course. Yeah. I'm so grateful. Yes, it's... I'll keep sharing with folks if they want to learn more about this. Um, look at therapeutic lifestyle changes. That might be something folks to Google. That's a whole line of interventions that comes out more of the mental health world. So if you work with a mental health professional, utilizing one more time. therapeutic lifestyle changes, oh, okay. common sense stuff, exercise, nutrition, time in nature, improving your quality of your relationships engaging in like healthy recreational activities 
practicing stress management, relaxation strategies, getting involved in like religion or spiritual, if, if that's appropriate for your family, service to others. These are all things that fall under the umbrella of therapeutic lifestyle changes. And I've given quite a few talks too on the topic of neurocounseling. I'm a big fan of that research as well. Neurocounseling is just combining neuroscience research into the counseling field. You'll find three or four books published on it, lots of things online. It's just a neuroscience-informed approach to counseling. That can be very helpful. And I've given several talks on the, the field of psychoneuroendocrine immunology. That's a mouthful. Psychoneuroendocrine immunology. It's a multidisciplinary field of study that combines neuroscience, biochemistry, genetics, toxicology, brings it all together. It's a mind-body connection. If you want to understand human disease and illness and disorder, that's a field of study that's really opened my eyes because it looks at the brain, it looks at the gut, it looks at our immune system, it looks at our hormones, because everything's interconnected. People that just focus on just the brain, well, we're missing everything else. If you don't study the gut and you're in the field of mental health, or you're in trauma treatment, or you're in substance use counseling, or criminal justice system, you're missing a big component. The research is so clear on this. But unfortunately, all the schooling I've had, I've never had any of this training in school. I've had to seek it out through like continuing education trainings, different certifications, my own readings, my own developments of training. I hope it gets infused into mental health curriculums, criminal justice, trauma treatment, substance use, because it's clear if you work with populations with those issues, their gut's typically off in most cases. It's really so fascinating. Yeah, definitely. I'm really Please. grateful for you. We're definitely going to have you back to cool. share more of your wisdom with us, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yes, of course. Absolutely. People want to know more. If you're, mm -hmm. you're saying, I've talked about this in the past, where can we find those talks? Where can we find all of your expertise? You can Google my name. You can go on YouTube, do tons of podcasts on a lot of different topics. You can share my email address with individuals as well. I can send them different things. So I always get back to folks right away. So yeah, feel free to do any of those things and glad to help out whatever I can do. And whoever listened to this, thanks for taking your time to listen to this topic. Absolutely. And I'll put all those links down in the show notes too. So thank you for having me on, Laura. You're so, you're so welcome. Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. If this episode blessed you at all, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with others? This, as you know, will help other mamas find us and in turn will bless them. Hey, thanks so much for trusting us with your time today.